church. What it means to be church is to one another um, uh, with, uh, with Christ, that we are with Christ with, with one another. And that, uh, as we'll see as we walk through um, our, our passage, it's uh, crucial um, for us uh, to learn and, and to be focused and intentionally one anothering because, as we'll see, it's the, it's the very nature of God, that, that God is um, community. You know, God is in um, relationship, and, and it's essential for us. We, you know, as I said at the very beginning of the service, for the ten of you that were here, um, that's uh, a real sly way of saying, you know, so you guys come on in at 11.15. Um, uh, but it's, if we're trying to follow Christ on our own, without one another, that's like trying to make blueberry muffins without blueberries. You ever done that? You get all the stuff out and you're tasting the blueberry muffins and then you get it all out, the buttermilk, the flour, the whole bit, and you look in the fruit drawer and your, one of your children ate all the blueberries. Yeah? Yeah? It's, it's like trying to follow Christ on our own. It's like trying to make blueberry muffins without the blueberries. And, and it's, so it's absolutely essential for us to, to be the church. I mean, this is the definition of the church. One another. Um, with Christ, and uh, um, and it's it's important for us as a particular church um, because th- this, especially churches like us that have been around for a while, um, it can get sort of family feel. And family feel for people that are in the family, you know, is great. But people outside the family, they, they sort of like, uh, can I come in? You know, and, and folks have said that as they you know, meet with uh, College Hill Presbyterian Church, folks that have come in the last several years you know, and, and visit and stuff, they say, you know, it's a nice place. People are really, really nice and, and kind and welcoming you, and they smile at you and talk to you and that kind of stuff. But how do you take the second step? You know, it's, it's sort of like going to a high school reunion when you're the spouse of the alum. You know, or or like going to a family reunion when you're a spouse of the family member. You know, and that's part of one anothering with Christ. That we, as a particular church, don't do that well, and we need to continue to learn and grow. And you know, don't feel bad. It, it's common for churches that have been around a while, for any group of people that have been around a while. You, you just sort of get stuck in your own, and you're not mean, but hard to then continue to expand that one another. It's also a challenge in our, our day because the context of relationships have changed. Now, for some of you, you're native to this context. For others of us, it's just a new day. This is a Zitz cartoon from several weeks ago. Maybe you can read, maybe some in the back you can't. But, you know, the dad saying, I thought you were hanging out with Sarah tonight. And the son saying, I am, as he's on his phone. And then the dad says, well, where is she? And he said, and the son says, at home. We're texting while we stream the same movie. And he says, and that qualifies as hanging out. And the son says, yeah, the malt shop closed a long time ago, Archie. Yeah, it's sort of a different context for relationships today. So what, how, how do we then engage in relationships? There's a number of things about this that we have to think about. And one is, you know, in, we've given a whole new word, a whole new meaning to the term friend, even. 
know, that we friend, we're Facebook friends, you know, and, and Twitter and, and Instagram and, and Pinterest and Snapchat and all of that. But if you think about all those means of connecting with others, one thing about them is we are in control of what is presented to the other. You know, I mean, the pictures, I don't put what I look like in the morning on Instagram. You know, I don't, I don't put on Facebook a video of an argument that I had with my wife. You know, that just doesn't make it. It's the pretty orchestrated pictures. It's not the natural stuff that usually makes it on there. It's the stuff, and if it is, it's stuff under my control. It's not what you would see or know about me if you hung out with me long enough. Yeah. And so what all does that mean about relationships today? And, and the other, other thing about relationships is they can be real efficient today. Communication can be very efficient. I mean, I can get a, a fa- Facebook post, an email, and a group Twitter, or a Twitter out there, and a group text out there, and man, I can reach a lot of people with information. You know, but that's all that it is. You know, it's... Really not stuff below that. And, and, it, and that has nothing to do with the fact that it's, we're not face-to-face. We're not, you know, with one another in the same space. So that, that's the context for today of, of relationships and what it means to one another. So why we need to think again about what it means to one another in our current setting. Now you might be asking, well, but, but why? Why focus on relationships? Why can't... I mean, if this is about me with God, why can't it just be me with God? You know, why can't it just, this just be about... Why don't you just tell me how I can grow in God and leave relationships out of it? Well, the problem is that's not how... One, that's not who God is. God is relationship. It's not who God created us to be. He created us with a need to be in relationship for, with, with one another. I mean, God is, as we just sang, Trinity. Three in one. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So by God's very nature, since before there was time, the relationship, the eternal relationship was between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is community. In the form of the Trinity. And we then, if that's who God is, then we're created in God's image. So if God is eternal relationship, then we, then created in His image, need relationship with one another. Because we've been created in His image. And if God's nature is relationships, then God's character is defined by love. It's not that God loves or that God shows us love or that shows us how to love, but it's that God is love. And love can only exist in relationships. So it's the very nature of God and the very character of God that then we live out in our relationships with one another and with the world outside of our relationships. It is community we must have in order to be God's people. 
So there just is not a possibility of just me and Jesus. Our passage that we'll look at uh, this morning is John chapter 17, verses 20 through 26, um, found on page 880 in your pew Bible. Let's pray together. Gracious God, thank you for your written word. It speaks to us of your very uh, nature and your character, and and we ask that your spirit would apply it in our lives. Um, Show us uh, what we then need need to do in response to you so that we might be be all that you've created us to be, Uh, might carry out the the plans and purposes that you have um, for your glory and to to be carriers of your love. We give ourselves to you. Help us to, to listen for your word to us. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Starting with verse 20. Now, now this is a Jesus, uh, the last prayer of his, of his life, and, and as John records it. And so, and he's, uh, some people call it the high priestly prayer. But he, he's praying here, and he's, he's turning his attention now from the 12 disciples, and they're the folks around them, so the folks that are with him physically. And he's turning his attention now to everybody who will believe in me, in Jesus, uh, because of the words of the disciples. So that's the church, the church from that day on. So that includes you and me. That's who Jesus is praying for here. So, uh, Jesus uh, talking to the Father. I ask not only on behalf of these, that's these being the twelve disciples and folks with them, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word, which is the church throughout history. I mean, this is the beginning of the church, those twelve disciples. So everybody that's in the church of Jesus Christ found out through um, the... uh, the the word that the disciples had passed on. Verse 21. That they may all be one. As you, Father, are in me, and I am in you, may they also be in us. Now note that. You you hear this language a lot. This is describing this mutuality and this relationship, this eternal relationship. As I am in you, and you are in me. You'll hear that over and over again, talking about describing the, the relationship of the Trinity. Um, as I'm in you, may, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Verse 22. The glory that you've given me, I've given them, so that they may be one as we are one. Now, if there's any key verse, that's it right there. I mean, Jesus is saying, right, you've given me your glory, and now I've given your glory to them. And and they need to be one. They need to be in that mutually um, uh, sustainable relationship with one another because that's who we are. So now may they, if they live that out, if they are one as we are one, then they will demonstrate the glory that you've given to me. Verse 23. I in them and you in me. See, there they go again that they may become completely one, so that, and here he gives us the reasons for this, so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you loved me. So it's not just that we demonstrate the glory of God, but we share the love of God in our unity with one another in Christ, in our one-anothering we reflect the glory of God and share the very love of God. 
Verse 24, Father, I desire that those also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory which you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. Righteous Father, the world does not know you, but I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made your name known to them, and I will make it known so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. So sharing the glory and the love of God as we are one, as we are in relationship with one another, just as God is one. As the triune God is in relationship, God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now let's take a little look at this notion of God as Trinity. And God as three in one. God as community. What does that look like? How, does that, how is that demonstrated or spoken about you know, in Scripture? And uh, um, uh, one phrase uh, that uh, Dallas Willard, who's a, a theologian who died in the last year, um, is a philosopher at the University of South Carolina or uh, Southern California, um, used to talk about the the cycle of sufficiency. That in a sense, there's cycles of sufficiency where gifts and needs are provided and met in a sufficient way, in a perfect way. You see it sometimes in things like the food chain. You know, or there are bugs that get eaten by bigger bugs, that get eaten by little animals, that get eaten by bigger animals, and the big animals die, and the little bugs eat the big animals as they're dead. You know, that's cycle of sufficiency. Or the... the, the Water cycle, you know, as the water evaporates, goes up, then condenses and rains in that cycle. But the, my favorite picture of this cycle of sufficiency is like a mother and a nursing child. Where the baby is crying because need of food. The mother's crying because the mother's got the food and needs to deliver it to the baby. And then they meet. And they gaze at one another and their satisfaction and love and compassion. And they, it's not just the physical needs, but the emotional and spiritual cycle that then goes on there as they, in this beautiful way, have a, this cycle of sufficiency. Well, the, the Trinity is the perfect cycle of sufficiency where the gifts of Father, Son, Holy Spirit then satisfy, in a sense, the, the needs of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They, they work perfectly together. Um, we'll see this some in, in Scripture. Um, John chapter 16, verse 13 and 14. See how the, the Spirit um, serves the Father and the Son. When the the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. For He will not speak on His own, but will speak whatever He hears. And He will declare to you the things that are to come. He doesn't speak on His own. He speaks on what, what He hears from the Father and the Son. And this is Jesus speaking. And He will glorify Me because He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. But the Spirit is there not to bring glory to Himself, not for Him to be noticed, but for us to notice Jesus. It's like, you know, the Spirit is sort of down here and He's just sort of saying, hey, look at the cross. Look there. 
You know, look, look at the cross. Isn't that beautiful? He doesn't bring attention to himself. It says, look and glorify the Son. The Son does, does, does the same. Um, Luke twenty two forty two is in this time of prayer when Jesus is, is, is looking ahead to the suffering and he cries out, you know, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Let me avoid the cross, if at all possible. Yet not my will, but yours be done. So God the Son saying to God the Father, it's what you want, not what I want. And in the beginning of his ministry, in Mark chapter 1, Jesus is led out into the wilderness for temptation. And we're told, here, it's the Spirit who drives him out into the wilderness. So Jesus submits to the leading, to the forceful leading of the Spirit. And then even in our, our passage that we um, uh, read already in, in John uh, 17, we see how the, the Father is, as well does the same with the Son. Verse 21, I already mentioned how they mutually indwell one another. I am in you and you are in me. And then verse, verse 22, we're told that it's the, the Father who gives glory to the Son. Now here, this is for you. This is not for me to keep, but for you. And you may recall, I don't have this one on the screen, but when Jesus in the transfiguration, where Jesus is on a mountain with some of his disciples, and, and the God the Father um, uh, speaks to Jesus and says, Listen, this is my Son. Listen to Him. See how even the Father, like the Spirit, is pointing to Jesus. So we have here this, this perfect sufficiency, this perfect community, this, this sense of... Um, uh, well, the other, other passage, John sixteen fifteen. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason I said that He will take what is mine and declare it to you. you know, so you know, everything that the Father has, well, Jesus said, well, that's mine. You know, almost a sense of, I, I give it to the Father. And then, then the Spirit uses it and declares it uh, to you. So it's this perfect community, even a communal possession of the entire universe. Everything the Father has, it's, it's mine, Jesus said. And so Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, there's no decision tree here. There's no hierarchy here. There is a perfect mutuality in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. A perfect example of one anothering. Since it's the nature and character of God, it is also the way in which God has created us and called us to be in community. For the purpose, for the purpose of sharing His love with the world. And again, back to our passage, the, the so that passages that are there, especially uh, verse um, uh, 22. Right? The glory that you've given me, I've given them so that they may be one as we are one. In them, you and me, 
that they may become completely one, so that, so they become one, and now they're one, so that, the purpose here is so that the world may know that you've sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Our one anothering, reflecting the glory of God, sharing the love of God, is God's marketing plan. I mean, this is the advertisement campaign. I mean, this is the branding of God through God's people. As we engage in community and and, and one anothering, we demonstrate the very character and nature of God. And the world then sees, experiences that, and then they know that God also loves them. That's the way God has designed it. That's what He's called us to and why He's done this. This is the we communicate, we demonstrate, we illustrate God's love for the world. It is an essential part of that communication. That when we, you know, and for us as a particular church, man, when we are seeking to, to be connected in Jesus no matter our differences, and, and when, when we, you know, go across racial and and ethnic and economic and generational lines that in the world divide us. When we, in the name of Jesus, unify around Jesus across those lines, the world sits up and takes notice because they want a piece of that. You know, it was uh, uh, last month um, in September, which is the month before October, um, for those of you that forgot that part of kindergarten, um, there... Uh, we had a conference uh, that we were a part of down, downtown called a One New Humanity. And it was a conference particularly about being a multicultural church. And uh, there were a hundred different churches that were represented there, um, there, most of them from Cincinnati, but some uh, from other parts of the country. Well, and, uh, uh, and a number of us went down. About 25, actually, of us uh, went um, to that. And the, but the lead church in that conference, really with the lead church in the city, who's pursuing this kind of unity, really this, this kind of world-altering unity, is People's Church in, in uh, Coryville. Uh, used to be First Christian Assembly. And they've been on this journey now for about 17 years. And the way, reason I know that the world really wants to see this, that the world sits up and takes notice, is because uh, People's Church and that particular conference and the speakers that were there were in the front page of the Wall Street Journal on Tuesday. Alongside all the other world news of ISIS and Ebola was the fact that the church of Jesus Christ is learning and seeking to be unified in Jesus no matter our differences. The church in Jesus Christ is trying to look like heaven. Took a section of the front page and took half then of the 14th page of the first section. The world sees God's people coming together, one anothering, encouraging one another, challenging one another, helping one another, love one another, and they sit up and they take notice and they say, look at how they love one another. They're weird. I want to be like that. I want a taste of that. Well, that's how God's designed it. God's pattern from the beginning has been creating community of people who are sold out for Him. He created Adam and said, oh, we need Eve. 
And then soon after that, what did, he, what did he call to be his representatives? A nation. The nation of Israel. You're my people. I'm your God. You're the one that communicate that. And then what happened? He sent Jesus. And what did Jesus do? Jesus called a people around him. He called 12 people as disciples and says, All right, I'm going to teach you. Now you go. And then he got 70. Now you go out. And then Jesus left and the Spirit came. And what did he do? He gathered a community. He, in the power of his Spirit, brought people together. And he called a people together that are called the church. And he sent them out to be filled by Him to show the glory of God through the love of Jesus Christ. That's the way God's been doing it from the beginning, calling a community together, and in their one anothering, they demonstrate God's nature and they share His love. Friends, the, the key thing you've got to understand that the church is not a building. The church is not an office. The church isn't even a gathering. You didn't go to church this morning. You, you are the church. Wherever you go, wherever we go, we are the church. So it's not a building. It's not a gathering. It is a group of people who are filled with His Spirit, sold out for the kingdom of God, and ready to live according to the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ, no matter the cost. That's the church. A group of people sold out for Jesus, proclaiming His love and how they care for one another, and demonstrating, reflecting His glory in their relationships with one another. That's the church. This this one anothering you know, is a, a brotherly love where we continue to learn and grow as we greet one another, as we know one another, as he, we help one another, as we correct one another, as we encourage one another, as we work side by side with one another. It is an essential, necessary, central part of being church. And if we're not doing that, well, we might meet together. We might have a building that even has a cross on it a couple times. But you can have all of that kind of stuff. You can even have letterhead. But you're not the church. If we're not, if we're not a group of people who are one anothering with Christ so that we reflect the glory of God. And that we share the love of God. Amen.